Find your balance. That is the goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 15 of the show. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology, a master's degree in business administration, and I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. In each episode of the Boost Health podcast, we discuss a new topic and cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts, including fitness training, inspiration, nutrition, biohacks, and wellness products. And we give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Each show is typically about 20 minutes long. Now today the episode is a little over an hour uh, because I have two really special guests on the episode that we'll talk about here in a second. So thank you for listening a little bit longer so you can enjoy everything that they have to offer. Now my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded and try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic that surprised you and how well it worked? Those are what we are trying to uncover here. The show is definitely growing as new subscribers and downloads are coming in. So thank you for telling a friend, family member, or colleague about the show that you think might enjoy it. Now, another way you can support the show is by visiting the website at myboosthealth.com and click the Amazon banner at the bottom of the homepage and then do some shopping. When using the Amazon banner, you'll get to check some shopping off your to-do list and then Boost will get a kickback so everybody wins. One last thing that would really help the show, please take a few minutes to subscribe to the show, rate the show five stars, and leave a written review of the show in iTunes. You can actually do it right in the podcast app on your smartphone. Announcements. There's a new section on the Boost Health website, recipes. I'll be continually adding my favorite plant-based main dishes, side dishes, snacks, and desserts here. So far, I have my world-famous cashew dip, and also the vegetable curry recipe that I think I can eat every day for the rest of my life. It is that good. Just click the recipes link at the top of the homepage to check it out. Newsletter. If you haven't already signed up for the weekly Boost newsletter, you can do so by entering your name and email into the form on the homepage. It's really easy. It just takes a couple seconds. And this will make sure that you don't miss on any of the Boost Health news. Apparel. Thank you so much to everyone who put in an order for their Boost Health performance apparel. The shop closed a couple weeks ago so Quarry could get the first batch of custom gear created for everyone. If you didn't get to put your order in, don't fret. We'll open the shop up again sometime this summer. I'll keep you posted on the podcast and newsletter. All right, now on with the program. Episode 15 of the Boost Health podcast is titled Benefits of Fitness Communities, Performance, Mentorship, Accountability, and Kindness. I am super excited for the show today because I have two very special guests joining the program. These two gents have been absolutely integral in shaping my personal beliefs on fitness communities, and they've also become really dear friends of mine here in Hong Kong. I can say without question, I would still be cycling in circles at a little neighborhood here by us in Hong Kong called Red Hill, and I'd be doing the same boring running and swimming workouts all on my own. 
without the help of these guys and the fitness communities they are part of. With their help, I've learned that you can safely navigate the mean, dangerous, steep and slippery streets of Hong Kong. I've learned that having friends with you while you train isn't just about motivation, but it's also about kindness, caring, and understanding. Now today, we'll discuss fitness community and the profound positive effects it can have on individuals and actually the group as a whole from numerous perspectives, including performance, mentorship, discipline, inspiration, and accountability. So who are these guys I speak of? First, Bo Kratz. Bo is the Chief Executive Officer for Conning Asia Pacific. Based in the Hong Kong office, Bo directs all current operations in Asia for Conning. He is responsible for developing the overall strategic plan to leverage Conning and Cathay Financial Holdings asset management resources in the Asia Pacific region. Bo has nearly 30 years of experience in capital markets, of which more than 22 years in asset management. During the past 17 years, Bo has held leadership roles in Hong Kong and Singapore. Bo has worked extensively throughout Asia, managing operations in Hong Kong and Greater China, Seoul, Melbourne, Singapore, and Tokyo. Before joining Conning, Bo served as head of APAC for Northern Trust Asset Management, where he oversaw both equity and fixed income strategies for large institutional clients in Asia Pacific. Prior to joining Northern Trust, Bo held leadership and regional roles with Permal Group and ABN AMRO Asset Management. A Swedish national, Bo started his financial career in Sweden, having worked in equity research and portfolio management, and serving as CIO at Alfred Berg Asset Management. He holds a degree in finance from the University of Gothenburg and an MBA from Warwick Business School in England. For as long as he can remember, Bo has always seen himself as a quote-unquote sporty person, but admits that his teenage years featured more motorbikes than pushbikes, and he was never a particularly keen participant in traditional team sports, such as football or ice hockey. The real turnaround came in his mid-30s, as his career and waist measurement both progressed seemingly correlated. It was not a pretty sight, he says. A significant change in diet and a moderate increase in activity saw his weight drop by no less than 16 kgs in the space of six months, prompting questions from his friends and family if he was all right or if he had some sort of disease. A 35k daily commute on his bike opened the door to various sporting events, and when he relocated to Singapore in 2001, the cycling bug really took hold. He was introduced to a group that subsequently morphed into Anza Cycling, and there was no return at that point. Seeing and experiencing firsthand how the group made a difference both for his fitness as well as his social life, he unapologetically stole the concept as he moved to Hong Kong in 2004. On November 7, 2004, Sir Cycling was born and quickly became much more than a cycling group, providing a hub in the wheel of quite a few cyclist expats in Hong Kong. Bo moved back to Singapore in 2007, forming yet another cycling group, but returned to Hong Kong and his SIRS in 2012. So for anyone who wonders why the SIR kit is blue and yellow, well, look at the Swedish flag and you'll have your answer. And we also have Sheil Coley with us. Sheil is a managing director at Credit Suisse based in Hong Kong. 
He is head of corporate communications, Asia Pacific, and is responsible for all private banking and investment banking communications. Sheil has worked in comms in Hong Kong for 18 years, 12 of which have been for Credit Suisse. He has found that as people consume more information and in many more different ways, his responsibilities for how Credit Suisse interacts and communicates with its many different stakeholders has grown. Today, he is responsible for Credit Suisse's relationships with the media, its internal communications, social media messaging, client communications, executive communications, and financial communications. Prior to this, he was at ING for five years, where he was also head of corporate communications. He started his career, however, as a journalist, where one of his roles included being a London correspondent for the South China Morning Post. This is where he fell in love with writing and with Asia, and in particular, all the promise that China offers. These are still two of his enduring loves. But believe it or not, when he's not thinking about how to communicate as effectively as possible, Shiel is an avid athlete. He comes from a very athletic family. His father's side were national-level hockey players from India, while his mother was captain of the netball team. His brother is an accomplished cricketer, and Shiel himself competed at a national level in middle-distance running. Even now, his parents still go to the gym and do yoga. Shiel raced competitively at university, but when work and career began to take over, he put these pursuits aside until he arrived in Hong Kong. Living at the base of the peak and with all of Hong Kong's trails at his doorstep, he began to find it just too tempting to not see how far and fast he could ride or run up them. Indeed, his weekend rituals were two times up the peak on Saturday by bike, a run in the afternoon, and then a ride to Sheko for breakfast on Sunday. He became aware of the Hong Kong Dragons Triathlon Club in 2009, attracted by their red and black kit and their super relaxed attitude to riding and running. The president of the club at the time was a Cockney Englishman called Drilly Thornton, who was built like a bodybuilder, but was one of the most welcoming and genuine athletes Shiel has ever met. He loved the approach, very open and a warm and inclusive culture, but the offer of disciplined training through regular sessions come rain or shine. It's still a hallmark of the Dragons today. Shield joined the Dragons Committee in 2013 and has never looked back. The fun spirit, openness, and inclusiveness of the Dragons still is the club's biggest strength and is one of the reasons we're discussing community today. As you can see, these gents are not only great at inspiring others to fitness, but have also managed to be quite successful in their own quest to find wellness balance. They're also very intelligent and eloquent speakers, so I'll try not to jump in too much so you all can absorb as much from them as possible. And with that said, let's kick things off with a little discussion about SIRS and Dragons. Bo, I'd like you to start. Can you tell us a little bit about the SIRS, please? Yeah, the SIRS kicked off back in 2004, and it was really me relocating from Singapore, uh, having been part of a very similar community in Singapore, and that was a roaring success for me personally, fitness-wise, and and uh, kind of enjoying Singapore. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't only about peer group pressure, although that's part of it, getting me out of bed in the morning, but it's also realizing that that community created a very important social fabric for the people there uh, in Singapore, um, and um, 
um, we wanted to create the same thing in Hong Kong, and that that turned out to be the case. And and also wanted to create a community that was that was inclusive, uh, that anyone of any fitness level or you know interest could join. You don't need to be on the on the latest bike to to join if you don't want to. So um, th- those were some of the ideas behind it. And now, can you tell everybody what SIRS is for? Now, when I first got here, I wasn't exactly sure what it meant. I just knew that when everybody arrived at the rendezvous point, everybody just said, hello, Sir Bo, and hello, Sir Shiel, and hello, Sir Paul. Well, it was, uh, so SIR is short for South Island Road Cycling. And uh, little did I know that that acronym was going to be used for that purpose. That was just, <laughs> that was just an accident, really. I, 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 my son went to South Island School, and we're living on the south side of the island. I thought just South Island Road Cycling would be an appropriate name. And, of course, then it turned out to be people referring to each other as sirs, and that was actually quite fun. So. <laughs> right. And, and so for those of you that haven't been to Hong Kong, you know, getting from one side of the island to the other um, on a bike can be tricky if you don't know the road. So it was I, now it makes a lot of sense why it was the, the South Island riders, especially. And now, Sheil, could you tell us a little bit about the Dragons, the Hong Kong Dragons Triathlon Club? Yeah, so the Dragons has been going since 2002. It was actually um, established by a group of Australian triathletes who just wanted to create a community of people who swam, ran, and rode together and provided training, but also some camaraderie. And I actually came to it quite late. I actually came to it in uh, 2009. And, you know, I really can't remember how I got sucked in. I think it was more that I met the president at the time, who was this Cockney Englishman called Drilly Thornton. And he was built like an absolute beefcake. Looked a little bit like you, Paul, actually. Yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> huge muscles, six foot four, and like a, a little girl. He was like really friendly, not not kind of trying to be butch or trying to be tough, but he, he looked the part. He looked like he was a bouncer from a nightclub, but uh, really opening, really welcoming. He'd wait for people. He would uh, pick up bottles that might have fallen out of people's bikes if they uh, if they went down a hill too fast or they weren't, you know. He would coach people up the hill, and that really attracted me. And that's that's really got what got me into the dragons. And I think it's the culture of the dragons that actually endures today. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny too with with both of these clubs, and we'll get into this more a little bit later. But um, you know, I was a little hesitant to to join a club because I had never been part of a, of a club for cycling or triathlon and, and the welcoming spirit, um, even at five forty five on a rendezvous point, <laughs> um, people still managed to crack a smile and, and shake a hand. So it's, it's really nice. And that's, uh, consistent across, you know, both of these, something that's interesting too, about these clubs that, that, uh, I think is pretty cool is that there's some camaraderie between the two. Could you guys talk about, um, you know, we have the party every year where, where everybody gets together and shares, but, but, uh, just the history of the clubs sort of being buddies, I guess. Yeah. Like I, I can, I can have a crack at it. I don't really know how it happened, but I think, I, I think it comes back to what Shield mentioned. Um, I, I think some of the, the ethos behind both groups are the same. They're inclusive. People are there to enjoy their sport. Uh, uh you know, and actually with the SIRS, it has been the base from which a number of teams who want to compete more seriously have mm. have evolved, and 
we've always said, you know, you can do that team, but if you come back and ride with us in Nigeria, so you're always welcome. And so, so it isn't, you don't need to be with us uh, or with someone else. It's, 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 it's very open. And I think the same thing, there's a lot of sirs that are dragons as well. Uh, people do triathlons. So it, I think it naturally, it, it just evolved as, as being, you know, siblings that they have a lot, lot in common, really. I think that's absolutely right. I think actually, when you go to other places, a club is almost the basis of a rivalry. And so therefore, if you're in one club, you're automatically a rival of another club. And I don't think that exists between the Sirs and the Dragons at all. I think actually they're almost completely fungible. They are two clubs that actually like to coexist with each other. They encourage each other. Um, you always see Dragons and Sirs saying hello to each other on the road. Um, as you say, we have the big annual party um, every year uh, between the Dragons and the Sirs. And uh, there's always a lot of banter and a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I, I think that um, it's difficult to know how it happened. I think the Christmas party was almost a bit of an accident because we both wanted to have one. I think we both wanted to do it at a weekend that was the same. And so we thought, oh, what the hell, let's just combine it. I think that's what it, what it was. I think it was just an accident. And then we got together and it was a lot of fun. And so we just carried it on. And I think, and I think now it just continues during the course of the year. So as you know, today we had uh, the race to enlightenment up to the Buddha. It was a big annual race. And there were lots of dragons there. There were lots of sirs there. But there were lots of other people from other clubs too, right? There was the Lantau Buffaloes were there. And we had a few Tritons there as well. So I think it's really, it's really nice because at the end of the day, you know, I don't think we're really competing against each other as clubs. I think what we're trying to do is encourage each other. And I think that, that but the Sirs and Dragons in particular have, have been quite close. I think that's probably also because they're on the, on the Hong Kong Island as well. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I remember, you know, just in my first couple of rides with Bo and the Sirs, you know, it had come out at some point that I, I don't know if you could say I enjoy swimming and running also, but I do them. <laughs> and I remember both saying, oh, you know, you need to look up this, you know, the dragons and get out there on some runs and swims with those guys. So it, very early on, it was clear that there was some, some camaraderie and, and working together between the two clubs. Before we move on, I wanted to talk about the cycling scene here specifically. You guys are both excellent cyclists. How has the cycling scene changed here? I, I've heard from almost everybody I ride with that's been here for a while that it's changed a lot, meaning that it's gone from having a few people out on the road in the morning to really just it's just huge now. I mean, you, you go out in the morning, even super early, and you see 10, 15 people in, in the same amount of minutes. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think, um, uh, when Bo started and when I started, um, I was cycling on my own. Uh, almost, I'd go for a ride for two hours and not see anybody. Now, on a Saturday morning in particular, you see so many people. And I think, uh, I think cycling as a sport globally has become a lot more popular. And so obviously Hong Kong has been part of that. But I also think that there's a lot more, uh, events, a lot more races. Hong Kong has its own cyclothon. I think that's what gets people uh, into cycling. Um, we certainly put on at the Dragons a lot of events, like obviously the one we have today. And I think that has just encouraged more and more cycling over the years. 
Yeah, and I, I would echo that. Um, you know, I, th- I think this is this is a global trend. I remember back in my native Sweden, uh, commuting to work. You know, over twenty years ago, uh, I was the only one that mm-hmm. that cycled to work, and I was a bit of an odd person. I might still be. Some people argue, but um, um, now, whenever I'm back, and and if I'm riding in an early morning on a weekday, I am surrounded by a virtual peloton. And uh, so that's, of course, that's Europe. Uh, but, but I do think the same thing in Singapore. Cycling has just taken off as a, as a sport uh, uh, and, and, and it's much more popular. And, and you know, we, all, we, we joke about it sometimes that cycling is the new golf. Mm-hmm. But th- there is a lot of people uh, uh, who are time constrained and, and getting out early in the morning uh, when you don't have conference calls with the US or Europe <laughs> is, is the way where you, is how you fit a, a training regime into a busy life. Well, and, you know, I think you can both give yourselves credit to to the growth locally. I mean, honestly, you know, anybody that has been riding for a little while knows a Dragon's jersey, knows a, knows a Sir's jersey, and they both sort of have their own character. Uh, the clubs have their own own character and, and quality. Um, there are some folks, and, and hopefully talking about it here and on, on this platform and just in with other people, there's a quality with both of these, especially with cycling, where they're not. Oh, I don't know if I can really, if I can really roll with you guys because the the quality is too high. They don't understand the way that we are able to manage uh, a group where everybody's going to get to the top together, and everybody's going to get to the bottom together. It may not be all together, but we're going to wait for each other. So um, I think that's helped the growth too. People slowly starting to realize that hey, you know this is something I can do. I can do this as, as part of this sort of team. I think the key though, uh, Paul, I think that what's made it inclusive is that uh, there's a combination of having knowing the reassurance that you're not going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. That obviously attracts people. But also there's a little bit of a challenge, right? It's not dead easy to ride with the Sirs or dead easy to ride with the Dragons. You have to work at it a little bit. But you're not going to be completely left behind because I'll, around that next corner, they'll be waiting for you. Right. Okay. And I think, I think, so I think people enjoy the fact that there's a bit of a challenge. They've got to get out of bed early in the morning and they know they've got to work. Um, but there's not going to be a completely miserable, lonely ride where they're going to feel completely devastated by the fact that they, they met everyone at the start and then that was the end of it. Right. right. And I think that helps. No, I, I would agree. I think also the topography or the geography of Hong Kong, particularly Hong Kong Island, actually helps us here. Uh, you know, if you go for a group ride anywhere else in Australia, you do a big loop around the countryside, and if you if you dropped, you're gone. That's it for the day, right? And, and it's a long, long, long slog back home. Here we typically do out and back. So if someone is overcooked or had a you know bit of a hard night the, the evening before, and and you can just stop, and you know the, the the group will come back eventually, and you can just rejoin them. So, so I think it's yeah, we we all been there. We all been dropped, and and you know, the, the, I think I think the you know, Hong Kong, Hong Kong geography sort of helps on the balance. Yeah, that's good. Good points, guys. Well, b- before we roll into the next part with with the research, I wanted to just tell a couple of quick stories that well, I find interesting, um, but I hope it'll help everybody sort of understand, you know, where I was coming from and why clubs were I- important for me. So, so those who don't know, I came from. The flatlands of Kansas, which does have a few hills. You just ha- you have to look a little harder. And they're not quite as tall, all of them. But I literally came here with a time trial bike 
and what I felt like was a pretty good set of cycling skills. <laughs> and, you know, Echo, my wife had came in and she had done the look-see and we saw some pictures, but we basically made the decision on where we were going to live in Hong Kong without me ever getting here. And I, I knew my bikes were coming here. I just didn't know what it was necessarily going to be like. And she's like, I don't know if you're really going to be able to ride here. The roads are narrow. The traffic is bad. Uh, it just looks really dangerous. Um, and so I was scared. I honestly was really scared. I came from a place where you might see a car or two on the road, especially if you went out early in the morning. It really, um, the roads were wide open. And so I was scared. And uh, there was a little place over by where we live where it's a community and you can do about a 1.1K loop called Red Hill. And I spent several months just going over there and doing circles. There's a little hill over there. So I did a little bit of climbing, did some circles, um, but I was really scared to do anything else, to be honest. And uh, I did some Strava stalking. I knew about the SIRS um, and I started following the email list and... I found on Strava this guy named Bo Kratz was leaving for these early morning rides that was a sir. And it looked like he was leaving from about the same place that I lived. <laughs> so I shoot this guy, Bo, an email and said, this is going to sound crazy and maybe a little bit like a stalker, but can I follow you to the rendezvous point? If I can hang on, let's just see if I can hang on. But I want to just follow you there because I'm quite honestly a little bit scared to ride by myself to the rendezvous point. And of course, um, those who know Bo, who is more than kind enough to, to let me follow him. And so we actually created a Strava segment, a world famous Strava segment called uh, the Manhattan Stalker, which goes <laughs> from the uh, Manhattan, where we, uh, the building that we live in, to the rendezvous point, the famous rendezvous point, which is almost in the center of Hong Kong That's Island, right. the, the Cinepec station. So that was how I became a sir and then quickly learned about the, the dragons and joined them soon after. But what was most important for me besides, you know, just getting over the fear of getting out on the road um, was learning how to descend down these big hills because you really just never had to, to properly corner a hill at speed. And so, you know, Bo was really patient for me and the group was patient for me. I said, if, if I get an award this year, it's going to be slowest descender and I was going to stick to it. Um, and eventually I got faster, you know, with, with the group's, patience um and and with some learning and i think she'll probably give me a few tips too just learning how to get used to the speed and and, and sort of lean into the corners helped a lot <laughs> and then uh, so i learned about the dragons started getting involved with the dragons joined the dragons um and the first race i did was one of the winter series duathlons which is a, a run bike run um on a tough little course down in south bay here in hong kong um, some of the group had decided to swim. Actually, most of the group decided to do the swim because it was just getting warm enough to do a, a swim bike run. But me and Sheil and Yan Kai, who you heard on a previous episode, and also if you listen to that episode, know what a quality runner she is. I had no idea what I was up against <laughs> when I lined up that morning. I just knew I was up there with Yan Kai and Sheil. And I quickly found out that I was going to get my tail kicked for, for the rest of the day. So that was my introduction um, to the first race with the dragons, high, high quality, um, runners and cyclists and also swimmers. So I just remember, um, quickly learning my lesson, uh, in running and then, but also hearing some kind words from Shield whenever he'd pass me on any one <laughs> of the hills as we, as we go up the hills. Um, so those are sort of my intro stories to, to those groups and, and how much they helped me. And, um, I'll talk about this more a little bit later, but the, 
the motivation was something I always sort of had inside of me, but I was really impressed and, and surprised by the welcomingness of, of the groups and the, the caring. Um, you know, my personal vision without any evidence was there's these hardcore clubs out there. They're going to go out and kick each other's ass and, and train hard. But, but this was a totally different side that I didn't expect that I was really, really happy about. You know, I always like to talk about how science backs wellness and overall fitness. And so I think this will be a nice way to sort of introduce some more of our topics in our, in our roundtable discussion about community and about fitness. Now, this pains me to say, because I went to the University of Kansas, but there was a very interesting study at Kansas State University, <laughs> our big rival. Uh, they did a study back in 2012, and they actually found that people who exercised with someone they thought was better than them increased their workout time and intensity by 200% pretty interesting stuff. And as always, I'll link to the uh, articles that we're talking about today, the research uh, in the show notes and in the blog. Uh, there's a 2011 study in the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology that found that participants were able to hold a plank, which is a isometric exercise for your core, uh, when they're working with a partner and they increased their plank hold by up to 24% when they're working out with a more capable partner. Now, this ability for a weaker partner or a team member to perform better than another person uh, or in a group situation more than they would on their own is actually called the Kohler effect. It's named after a researcher in the uh, late 1920s named Otto Kohler. But basically going into a situation where you're competing against somebody that is better than you or that you think is better than you is going to help you increase your performance. One of the benefits, obviously, of training in a group is if you're out there training with people that are stronger than you or just having a bad day and you're trying to get up to speed with everybody else, there's obviously a huge, huge benefit of training in a group. I think that might be somewhat expected, but the numbers are pretty interesting. But here's one that I think is really neat about mentors. There's a 2014 study in an international journal of nursing studies that found that older adults who had fitness mentors had higher success in overall retention and participation rates as well as best improvements in fitness scores, as opposed to the group that didn't have mentorship. Now, interestingly, the mentors were broken into several groups. And I like this. There was a young student mentor group and peer mentors. And the effect was the same. Now, mentoring or leadership or workout buddy, whatever you call it, it has no age limit. You can reach up for help or you can reach down and pull others up. That's what the group effect is all about. That's what mentorship is all about. That's what you get and these fitness communities. Everyone has an off day and on occasion can benefit from fitness mentors. Even our super, super strong runners and cyclists can, can benefit from, from somebody pulling them up some days. And as I said previously, for me, the community mentorship for me really was mostly about kindness, caring, and understanding. For example, when cycling in our groups, as you said earlier, the slower folks, we wait for the slower folks coming up the hill and down the hill sometimes. Um, so everybody can get a great workout. Nobody gets left behind. This is the part where I'd really like um, Bo and Sheila to share some stories of how fitness community has helped you personally. So, Bo, would, would you like to start if you have any ideas? Yeah. You know, I didn't know these studies, but intuitively I thought that was probably <laughs> what was happening. So I'm, I'm glad that, that, there is a, that there is some uh, uh, sort of method and, and, and science behind uh, you know, my, my own observations. Uh, so, of course, the, 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 um, you know, the, the health benefits are there as well. But 
maybe I would just want to take a slightly different angle to this. Um, you know, if you look at the composition of both the Sirs and the Dragons, there is a big portion, not entirely, but a big portion of people uh, that are living outside their home country. Uh, and uh, we do have some, and we do welcome people that are sort of local Hong Kong people, and, and you know we have them riding with us. But there is a there is a, a fair representation of expats. And and the the thing when you when you are an expat away from your country, it's very easy to live a two dimensional life. You work a lot, and you spend time with your family. But you know you know anyone who's tried to build a wheel know that if you have two spokes in a wheel, it's going to be very <laughs> unstable. So my mother, who is not an athlete by any you know stretch of the imagination, always used the cycling wheel as an analogy. And and I think what you know a fitness community does, it brings another dimension to your social fabric and to your if your wheel of life, if you like. And and I, I think that's that that that's, that's been the big takeaway from me over these last seventeen years living outside my own country. And uh, um, and of course, for people that work, you have work and home. In, in many cases, the spouse might just have a one-dimension life. They just be at home with the kids and maybe some coffee and tea with their, with their friends. And, and then it becomes even more narrow. So, so I think one of the things that we have successfully done, you know, within the service, and I think dragons as well, actually drag, if you like, the the families into this and and I I look around a lot of people that I know that left Hong Kong the people they got to know through the fitness community have continued to be friends not only between the athletes but the whole family so so I, I think that's that's uh, you know for me that, that that has been the the added benefit on top of sort of if you like the fitness benefits that it brings so much more of of, of uh, you know it, it makes a home away from home if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. I think actually um, there are so many examples now of where families are hanging out with each other because either the, 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 the father of the family or the mother of the family has got involved in the dragons or got involved in the sirs and then they've just spread. Because actually on a Saturday morning you're spending four or five, four hours outside the house. They're wondering what you're up to and actually you're spending four hours with people who the rest of the family haven't met. And so it becomes actually a bit of curiosity on the part of the partner who hasn't met all these people to say, well, who are these guys or girls that you're hanging out with? And so, you know, as you know, at the Christmas party, people come along and we had our sort of season starter party just recently and the spouses come along and they get to meet people and they get to chat and they get to talk and, 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 Relationships grow, and as Bo said, um, for the spouse of the person who's in the club, it does multi-dimensionalize their life too, and it makes them part of what their partner is doing. And I think, I think, I think that's really that's really welcome. The other point I wanted to make um, was that humans are, I think, by nature, people who want to strive to do better. Okay, I think at the very basic level. Humans, by definition, are generally not content. They tend to want to improve things, improve themselves. And I think a club actually gives you an environment where you can actually improve. And I think expats, of which, as Bohos correctly identified, uh, the Sirs and Dragons seem to be particularly attractive to, um, are competitive people. Right. They've come from outside their country. They're working in a foreign country. 
they realize that they probably have to do a little bit more, a little bit extra in order to succeed because this is not their natural habitat. And so I think that level of competitiveness that you get among expats in general translates itself into the clubs. So that community effect, when you get a lot of people together who by nature are competitive, they feed off each other. And I think that's where you see the real gains. I can tell you, I have transformed myself as a runner and a cyclist since I joined the Dragons and I rode with the Sirs. Absolutely transformed myself. Just because I wanted to keep onto the wheel in front of me, whoever's wheel it was, right? And then you do pick your mentors to the other point that you were making. You really do. You do pick the guy, you know, he's just a little bit stronger than me. If I can stick with him the whole ride, then I've had a good ride too. And you do it, and sometimes you just do it in your head, and you don't even tell him or her. Sometimes it's a her, as you know. We have some pretty strong females in yes, our community, right? And sometimes you think, if I can just stick with her, then I can come home at 7.30 in the morning ready for the day's work, and I know I've had a really good workout. And I think that's really why this, this whole idea of having clubs that are communities that really help to improve performance works, because I think... We're by nature, as human beings, we want to improve. Secondly, as expats, we take it a step higher because we're actually pretty competitive. And thirdly, when you're in that kind of environment in a club culture, you are always trying to stick with the guy who's maybe a little bit better than you so that you can improve yourself. And I, and I think that's why it's a, it's, a, it's a virtual circle, virtuous circle. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Paul before about you know this this big group being out, and some some days you're having a bad day, and you know, we all do, and, and you know, and, and we we all been dropped, um, even me. Um, uh, today actually was a good example of that. <laughs> but but but, but I, I think the beauty of having a group that is inclusive is that you know, and Hong Kong doesn't necessarily lend itself to writing in big groups uh, because of the topography, uh, but even if you're one day you, you're you're really feeling like you're you know you're you're uh, you're on you're on you're on fire and you're up there at the very top of it and competing with people that are, you know half my age. Um, but then the other days you know really at the back. But there's always going to be someone who is twenty meters ahead of you. So so that kind of micro element of yeah. competition. You, you know, one week you're competing against a guy who was actually slower than last week. But for that week. For your fitness level and your energy at that particular day, you go always got someone to chase, and that might not be the same person every week. So I think I think that builds into you know the the you know, the competitive nature of you know of us. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, even for the guy in front, he's trying to keep away from the guys behind him. So <laughs> even then, he's also competing. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have a, um, a a very strong character here in Hong Kong who rides with both the Sirs and the Dragons. Always uh, 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 yells out "target" to to, <laughs> to people around him, so they know when he's when he's uh, he's, on, he's on their wheel trying to catch them. And you know, it, it adds a, it adds an interesting element to to yeah. the rides. Well, if you can't feel it. Uh, through the speakers that you're listening to, there is a little bit of competitive nature with the two gentlemen I'm sitting in the room with. Um, that that was a common theme in, in how the fitness communities help them personally beyond, you know, just having a, a home as an expat. Um, you know, something that's interesting too that I've experienced with, with both of you guys, you know, when you're out on even these, you know, weekday rides, we're out early in the morning. We still, you know, put in an hour and a half, couple hours, depending on where you start and finish. I find, especially on a climb, if I'm having a chat, it has the same 
having a chat, just a good chat with somebody, even if it's just talking smack or, you know, something silly. It's so helpful in taking my mind off of it. I've mentioned in a lot of my shows that my worst enemy is right inside my own head. I have anxiety galore when I'm training sometimes. Um, And, you know, I can think of a ride I did recently with Bo where we did the Luke's Lament. You know, it's this huge hill. Um, It's very short, but it's very sharp. Um, About an eight or nine minute climb if you're pushing. And we just, we had a talk. You know, I don't even know what we were talking about. I don't think it was anything that was going to save the world. But it, it kept both of our minds at bay. And we both kind of looked at each other when we rolled up to the top. Is oh, that's it. And that's not a hill where you say, oh, that's it very often. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. So, you know, just adding to the other side of the coin, I guess, obviously, there's huge competitive gains in there. Um in pushing yourself, but it's also a way, at least for me personally, to just get through something that I would normally have a harder time with without question if I was trying to do it by myself, even if I had, you know, a really good Def Leppard song in the, in the, <laughs> just for me coming from a, a smaller city to a big city, do you think it's more important from a safety perspective to have a club in a big city versus a small city? Or do you think it, it's irrelevant. Now we're just talking from a, a safety perspective here. What do you guys think? I think Bo will probably echo what I've got to say here, but I, I think that safety is got to be paramount, um, particularly in a big city, but I would say in any environment, frankly, but particularly in a big city. And uh, at the Dragons, we have a very clear rule that no lights, no ride. And that really doesn't matter. I mean, we always ride early in the morning. Um, and Hong Kong is not close to the equator, but it's not too far away from the equator. So actually the difference in daylight is not that marked between summer and winter, but there is, there is some, but it doesn't matter. So even in the summer, when we start at 5.30, it's actually becoming light now, uh, this time of year. Uh, we still insist that you have to have lights because Hong Kong is busy. It's a lot of traffic on the road. The roads are narrow. And for the driver with kids in the back, music in the radio, everything else going on, he's not going to see you as quickly as he might see a pair of flashing lights. So, And I think, yeah, so safety is paramount. Yeah. Yeah. One pair of flashing lights is good. Um, 15 is probably even better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I've had the, the comparison being made uh, of, of us riding up hill as like a moving Christmas tree. Uh, and again, you know, if, if you're in a car and you have that Christmas tree in front of you, you see them. So I think a, a bit safety numbers, um, definitely. But, but it's also, yeah, I think overall, uh, riding with a community, you know, as and when you come off, that happens to all of us eventually. Uh, you know, having someone there next to you that can, you know, pick up the pieces or at least, you know, help you to get your, your, uh, your helmet, uh, back on your head. Um, it's, it's important. Um, but I, maybe it's another angle of, of safety as well is, is, and I think that's something that both the Sirs and, and the, and the Dragons, um, um, care about is, is not only watch out for each other, but also to to uh, to put the foot down when something is not right. And, and you know, over the last fourteen years that the service have been going on a number of occasions, we basically either have asked people to go home because they don't have lights, or when someone is is riding really carelessly, say, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine, that's your choice. But if you're going to ride with us, uh, um, you know, you, you'll you'll um, you have to be more careful. Uh, so, so you know, 
writing in a group uh, is better, but also comes with responsibility for the people that, if you like, carry the, the culture of the group, I think. Yes. Good points, guys. And actually asked this question to Joel, too. You guys know Joel. We were on a ride this morning and, and he said, you know, sometimes I almost feel safer here in Hong Kong than I might be riding out on an open road in the U.S., as an example, because, you know, you might have somebody that is a little bit more casual about how oh, I can answer this text really quick. And, um, you know, maybe just, you know, you almost have to be a kind of a good driver here uh, on these little narrow roads. As I learned quickly, you know, uh, you, you really have to be paying close attention. Now we all have, you know, our own things to complain about with close calls here, but, you know, and if you're in a group, whether it's in a, in a, in a smaller city or a bigger city, it seems like it's just a nice protective measure where you're, you know, in safety in numbers almost. So I think we covered this a little bit already, but I wanted to just re-emphasize, you know, the the skill levels that we sort of cover with with the different clubs with with Servers and Dragons. Now, you know, they're they're both very very strong in cycling. I think is a fair thing mm-hmm. to say. Um, I th- I think if you're just taking your training wheels off, you're probably not ready to roll with either club. But I, I think if somebody you know has been cycling for a while and you know they have good fitness, they should feel safe in coming and joining one of the one of the group rides. But can you talk about how we sort of facilitate different fitness levels in a in a group setting to maybe help people feel a little bit more confident about it? Well, I think for the dragons, uh, the way that we do that is by trying to be inclusive to people, right? So I think. Uh, first of all, there's the regrouping, right? You, uh, because of the topography, as uh, Bo has mentioned, uh, you're climbing a hill pretty quickly as soon as you are riding in Hong Kong and Hong Kong Island in particular. Um, but the hill is not going to go that far up, actually. Um, the hills aren't that high. They're just very short and sharp. So generally, um, it doesn't matter how fit or fast or slow you are you'll 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 meet you'll meet the group uh, at the top and they'll probably be waiting anyway because that's just the way both clubs are they're very they're very inclusive they want to wait for the last person to come in then they all roll down together and they go and do the next thing um i think uh, the other aspect of at least the dragons what we try and do and i think paul you've experienced it too is that you know um we try and encourage people uh, so even if the faster guys are at the back and they're passing people at, 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 at who are in front of them, um, as they pass them, they say, come on, keep going, keep going, it's not too far, 100 meters, 200 meters, whatever it is, just to give them that little bit of boost. And uh, we do a lot of dragons just because everyone has been there when they're just suffering so much and they are feeling a little bit self-conscious that people are beginning to pass them now and thinking, oh no, am I really this bad? <laughs> and and so what you don't want is like someone who just kind of gives you a look and like carries on. What you really want is someone to say, you're doing well, you're doing well, actually just around this bend and you'll be there, right? And I think that that also helps dealing with the different fitness levels. We had a term at the SERS uh, for many years. I haven't heard it f- of late, though. It was always, it's always uh, it's going to be downhill from now, uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> which is never true, right? Because there's always another hill. But, but to Shield's point, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it helps with the topography. But I would just echo that's that's also the the um, um, you know the, the culture and the you know, the ethos that both these groups um, 
uh, you know, carry. Uh, and you know, I've been, even when I was much younger and much faster, you know, some days there's a new joiner. I just, I just hang back. I could be at the front. But of course, you know, having interest in in, in growing the, the the you know the the community as well, and and make sure that people feel feel welcome and come back. And sometimes they stay for half the ride. So this is this is too hard. I'm going to go back, and they do, and they come back three months later and then stay with us. So I think I think you know letting people try, and 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 you know if they're not quite there, uh, they know that you know this guy said I can come back, and they sometimes do, and you know many many examples of that. And one other example too that I'll just share is. Um is a swimming example. So in the summer, the dragons have a, uh, awesome little summer series. It's, it's, I call it the triple triathlon. It's basically three sprint triathlons back to back. So you do a 300 meter swim. Um, I believe the bike is four K bike. bike and then a one K run, two K run. run. Okay. Um, it's hard. I know that. <laughs> I know that by heart. Um, especially when you're, when you're doing them back to back. And, um, I wasn't too nervous about the, the bike or the run, but the swim is a, is an ocean swim. And it's at, uh, Sheko Beach, which can sometimes have a couple of pretty nice rips out there. Um, and so I was pretty nervous about the swim. And I asked, uh, Boomer if it was okay, one of the dragons, um, Paul McMahon, if I could use my, uh, my floaty, my little flotation device. And I said, I promise I'm not going to advance myself forward on it, but could I just have that dragon behind me? Cause I'm a little bit nervous to go out there. And, you know, we use these as a training race. And so he was totally fine with it. Um, it's a competitive training race. Of course, everybody's out there working hard and competing. Um, but I got to tell you, you know, just being out there with a group, um, I didn't have to touch my safety buoy once. Uh, I felt safe being out there and I felt it was like the biggest achievement, like the most wonderful feeling conquering something that I truly was quite scared to go out there and to do. And so, you know, just another piece of the, the group element, I suppose that, that adds, you know, just the motivation and the support um, to conquer something that you maybe wouldn't even consider doing on your own. So it's, it's been really, really fantastic for me on, on lots of levels and obviously multiple disciplines. So I think everybody's aware, uh, social media is, doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And I've noticed it, um, seems to have a really big role in, in fitness, especially in endurance sport. Um, anybody in endurance, uh, that's been doing it for a while has probably at least heard of Strava, whether or not you're a part of Strava. Um, it drives not only the, the networking that we have between each other as athletes, but it, <laughs> it also drives, uh, you know, pushing yourself in a particular area called, called a segment. And so there's that piece of it, but there's also, you know, the community aspect beyond what we have, you know, face to face, you know, pressing the flesh. What, what are we actually communicating beyond that? Um, I'm interested to hear your guys take, you know, seeing, um, how that's grown over the years as you've been part of these clubs, how has it affected the community fitness area? I think it's, it's completely transformed, um, you know, sport communities around the world and coming, becoming largely borderless, uh, you know, are following some groups and some people that are, you know, on different continents. And, and, you know, I, I see what they do. And whenever I show up in the same place, I ride with them as I did in Stockholm two weeks ago. 
uh, as did in you know in 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 Connecticut last summer. Uh, so it, it's it's uh, I think it's uh, it 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 has brought the whole thing to a completely new level. I'd say though when it comes to you know the that's from a sort of an individual athlete's point of view. When it comes to actually driving and managing a sports community or a club, uh, you know, all these things help a lot. But I think at the end of the day, you, you will need a person with passion behind it. Mm. You can't just launch a community initiative on social media and hope that it kind of lives by itself. Right. It, it, need, it needs someone to, you know, like like Shield does very well with the dragons to kind of to be the you know the brain behind it and and sort of uh, you know get people out there. And you know we have the same thing as hers that kind of rolls and rotates a bit. Uh, but so, someone needs to, to 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 live there and 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 you know. And, and, and remind people, right? And then, of course, then social media and everything else sort of helps to enhance that. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Social media has just added a completely new dimension. So um, it used to be about meeting together with people, riding with them, and then chatting afterwards and saying, hey, that was a great ride. Oh, you did that well, that hell well, you smashed that, I couldn't hold your wheel, blah, 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 blah. And and then that was where the conversation would end. Now you go home and the conversation is continuing. Yes, yes <laughs> it's yeah, fantastic, right? So people are like giving each other kudos at the minimum, but then they're chatting on the rides. And the people who weren't on the ride are now looking at your ride and saying, "Oh wow, look what you did!" So suddenly you got more people talking about it, and uh, it's just it's just amazing. So now. Um, it's just involves so many more people. And so the community, which is what this is, conversation is all about, has just expanded and grown so much, right? And of course, you know, I mean, Strava is the, the king of this. It really has been absolutely dominant. But there've been other, there are other, you know, running and riding and swimming apps out there that people can, that people can use. But, um, you know, as you know, the Dragons now, we base a year-long competition on Strava. Right, so we now have picked out twenty segments this year, and we're encouraging everybody to to race up them as quickly as they possibly can, and we're divvying up uh, how people are doing, ranking everybody, and so, so that's a community called Strava that's bringing all these people together, and then we're actually reinforcing the community by saying, "Hey, it's great, we're all on Strava." Now let's use Strava to actually add another dimension to our to our training, and so it just feeds on itself. It's 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 absolutely phenomenal. I I I I'd love to know what's going to come next because no one would ever envisaged. I mean, both Bo and I are fairly elderly gentlemen, but I don't think we ever envisaged anything like this when we were first starting out. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point, both of you. Um, and I've noticed too that. You know, we just get beat up. I mean, Sheila, I know you're in communications and Bo, you know, being a CEO, you are as well. You just get hit up with a million things. You know, you push up notification here and email over there. And so it also sort of gives you multiple platforms to remind people of events that your club is doing or here's the rides again for the week. So, you know, I, there's a presence for both of the clubs on Facebook, of course. Um, both clubs have Strava uh, presence as well. And so, you know, even for me, and I'm an active member in both, I, I really appreciate getting the push notification through the Strava club and seeing the emails and, you know, 
getting on with everybody on Strava and, and also, you know, having the stuff on Facebook too. It's really nice to have the multimodal approach through, through the different media. And you're also the sexiest man on Strava. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm just trying to make people aware that you can, you, you're out into the community too. (laughs) It's, 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 you can ride a bike at a mediocre pace with a little bit of muscle. That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So, I thought it'd be interesting too. I, I, I'm thinking there's some folks out there that might be interested in, in starting a, a fitness community. You guys have, I think, been inspirational um, in talking about it. And so I'd like to just get your take on you know, any advice that you would give to somebody that's thinking about starting a club. And a quick backstory from me, you know, I've got nine or 10 really close buddies back in Kansas that I used to train with a lot. And um, these are some of my best buddies and I, you know, we got some really, really good workouts in and everything we've talked about today was involved in that group, kindness and motivation and inspiration and mentorship all there. But what we didn't have, and we all had crazy schedules and crazy jobs, but we didn't have the, the organization that you get. So Tuesday comes, I know that there's a dragon's ride and I know there's a sir's ride and Thursday comes around dragon's ride and sir's ride. There's going to be, you know, events that both of these clubs put on time trials and triathlons and there's stuff coming up all the time. It's organized. It's pretty much set at the beginning of the year. This group of 10 guys that I'm talking about, we didn't have that. And we could have almost started our own little mini club and then, you know, brought people in and, and really had something extra special. What we had was, and still have because we still communicate with each other is still really special. But I think the the organization of having a, a a club that's put together and run by multiple people that are invested in the success of it really, from what I've seen, makes a tremendous difference. But I'll shut up and let you guys talk. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting point. I think. Um, if you want to have anything of any scale, you have to be organized. So I think that um, if you want to make sure that people know that they can rely on you, you have to set out your stall and really commit to it. So one of the things that attracted me to the Dragons, actually, Paul, was the fact that not only was it very welcoming and there was this giant beefcake who was kind of, you know, didn't look the part because didn't didn't act the part because he was kind of really you know, helpful and very inspiring and really was a mentor to me. Um, but part of that was that, as you said, I knew every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Saturday there'd be a ride. Every Wednesday there'd be a track session. There were swim sessions as well going on at that time. And how many of those did you do? Should I did about. Three. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> not many. <laughs> um, um, and um, really uh, knowing that it's so it's a combination of being a really welcoming and not non daunting place to join, but knowing that there's a discipline behind it, and that actually, if you want to train every day, you can. And there's always somebody out there always doing something. And I've heard new members say that about uh, us too. It says, you know, it's great because I always know something's on. So whether I, you know, if I just want to dip in and out, I just know they'll be there. There'll be somebody there. And I think that 
that that level of organization and then of course as you know we we put on now 10 races a year we have you know two time trials we have a ttt we have the big race up the hill today so etc so that just that just adds to it and i think i think that's um that that's really important and again in a place like hong kong uh, with the makeup that we have on these groups you know i travel quite frequently i'm not there every ride uh, um, you know other people do as well but if there is routine you know that someone's going to be there so i think that's that is that is important um but also i guess you know if someone is thinking of starting a group or or a, a you know a community um I, I, you know, of course you need to you need to be passionate about the sport right uh, mm-hmm. you, you do it because you know something that you believe in yourself and that that needs to drive but I think it's important to to uh, you know, let it grow with you because if you're going to be, you know, both the Sirs and the Dragons have been around for a decade and a half, right? Uh, so so there's, there's more to it. But at the beginning, as you're starting out, be realistic with your ambitions. Uh, you know, don't put on six rides a week, <laughs> four races a month, uh, a whole line of stuff that you're doing because, you know... It, 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 it's going to, the risk is that instead of you running the club, the club runs you. And, and then, then eventually you lose, uh, you know, the, the freedom and the body actually love by, by riding your bike or doing a triathlon. So start, start, start uh, you know, a little bit smaller. Maybe there's two rides a week and you, you have, you know, one jersey, not an entire range of stuff. You know, because most of us actually have a day job uh, and, and you know, we have families to take care of. So, so make sure there's enough time over to actually enjoy riding as well. So, and let, let, let the group, you know, grow with, you know, with, uh, with you and with time, I think. Bo, you started SIRS from, from, you know, N equals one. So, you know, what were some of the things you did just from the most basic level to, to just get, you know, pedals turning on a Tuesday morning? Um, getting up was a good start. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably told the story before, uh, but, but I, it's sort of when I came here and I, I had a few friends, but they were traveling as well. Uh, so I thought I need, I need to grow the, I need to grow the community. So I, I printed up small business cards. Uh, I went to a shop down in, in Taiwan, a picture of a bike on a roof and, um, a reference to this Yahoo group that we had. And I spent the next two months basically with small, little bento box on my on my uh, top tube and, and chasing down every cyclist I met and handing <laughs> handing over a card and said, you know, we're a group meeting on Tuesday mornings and you come and join us. Of course, I was lying. It wasn't a group, just me. Right? <laughs> uh, but eventually people started showing up. Some stalked us for a while and, and you know, the whole thing sort of took, took, uh, took on. But I, but, I, but I think what I what I realized then is that uh, if someone shows up and I'm not there, when I said I would be again coming back to that, so I think if you if you're gonna start something, unless you're a big group that a group like your sort of ten cancer friends that you're gonna to get together and you have that, but if you're starting it off just with you know two mates in a new city, you just really have to commit to to being there, and and, and that's gonna be that's gonna be an element of motivation in its own right. But I think that's that's uh, if people show up two three times and there's no one there, it's not happening, right? Good points, guys. Thank you very much. Now, um, the other side of the coin. So what about for the person that's on the fence about joining a fitness club? You know, they're not sure about it. Just an example for me, um, maybe to just give a reference point. So I hadn't really ever been part of one. I had sort of my 
illusions or disillusions of what, what it would include and what it would be like, but I didn't understand what I would necessarily get out of it. So somebody that's, that's on the fence, what, what advice would you give to them to help them join? It's going to sound a cl- like a bit of a, like a cliche, but just do it. <laughs> just try it. Yeah. Um, if you're on the fence, get off the fence. Just give it a go and don't give up because sometimes, not always, but sometimes the first attempt may not succeed and you may find that you don't like it, but try try something else. Try someone else. Because the reason why you're thinking about it at all is because you're probably not satisfied with the status quo or whatever it is you're doing. And so just give it a go. Give it a try. Because actually... In most of these clubs, and certainly for the Sirs and the Dragons, we've references both both of us have references. We've all been beginners. We've all been the guy at the bottom of the hill and seen everyone disappear uh, in the distance. And um, so we all know what it's like. And generally, there's always someone who'll hang back. I mean, Paul, you joined us, right? I don't think you were ever left on your own. And um, I think, frankly. It's not as daunting as you might think. But just, just just give it a try and don't give up. And also don't be scared by the attributes of the athletes. You show up this morning, got this guy looks really strong with shaved legs and the latest Rafa kit or uh, Sir or Dragon's kit and looks the part, you know, he's gonna absolutely rip me to pieces. And you know, He's just a guy who loves his sport, so so, so don't you don't think that they're all sort of super aggressive. Uh, they just love their sport and love the gear, and and uh, you know just just have a go. And if you if you can't keep up, just come back. It's funny, you know, in Hong Kong, and I think it's probably similar. Just being part of uh, of a group, you know, we basically have built in interval training. You know, right? I mean, if yeah. you if you're consistent, if you if you go out consistently and just ride up and down these hills, it'll really take care of itself. Mm. I think the same is it's the same with a club. You know, if you just are consistent and keep going out there, the quality of your fitness will will just improve. So, you know, like you both said, just just don't be intimidated and get out there and try. You'll probably be surprised uh, what what you find happens with your fitness and with the people of that community, most likely. Um, So I think we covered a lot. I think we covered a lot about fitness and and community. And these guys are both up uh, with a number that probably started with a four today (laughs) and did a huge ride. So I want to wrap up, but I wanted to just see if there's anything I didn't cover uh, because you guys are both so intelligent and been part of clubs for so long. I want to make sure that maybe if I didn't think to ask something that I give you guys a chance to to cover it. So Sheila, anything I, I missed? No, I think you covered it. I think uh, the biggest takeaway has got to be that no matter how disciplined and good you are training on your own, I can almost guarantee that you'll be even better if you train in a community and with a group. So it will work wonders for you and I highly recommend it. Yeah, I think you covered most of it. I just want to go back to um, Shields' very polite mentioning of us both being uh, not a 19 anymore. I think that's. <laughs> 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 I, I, I did. I did. I did a post on Strava the other night. I was actually not cycling. I was. I was in the gym. But I think I labelled it age management. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I do think that um, being part of a community, building a fitness regime into your life only becomes more important the older you get. And and 
because the, the reality is that it takes longer to get back if you've been off the bike. If you had an accident, it takes longer to recover. And sometimes you just ache, you know, body hurts. And that's, that's different being in your mid-50s than in your mid-20s. Uh, so just having, knowing that if you don't get out and you promise to get out, someone's going to give you a hard time. I just, I just, I get up anyway. I might not be the fastest, but you get out a bit. So, so I think, you know, uh, in, in managing a healthy life and a balance would work. Uh, community, sport community helps a lot, at least for me to just keep on doing it. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the show. I'll be back next week discussing a new wellness topic. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes. You can follow my workouts and Boost Health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything, along with more motivation and information. So for Boa Kratz and Sheil Coley, this is Paul Sandberg saying goodbye and... Find your balance. balance.